This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. singing that well that was Richard trying to sing we're trying to sing all right thank you so much Gregory for our major news of course we have a news brief coming up at eight o'clock and that's all courtesy the fine folks out at Champlain Auto Services all right all right so during the newscast and anyway, I'll, 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 we, we're gonna get her could you show me I'll tell you all I'll, I'll, I'll tell you all that stuff Take a look at what's happening traffic-wise before we get into it. Going to Santa Rosa towards O'Meara on the Churchill Roosevelt Highway westbound. Got some traffic. Trinity City towards Paja Yui as well. Still on the Churchill Roosevelt Highway uh, pretty much after the La Bosse. Coming up to NP Bagwan Singh, you'll get some traffic there this morning. Eastern Main Road, not too bad. Just going through by uh, uh, Takariga towards, towards Tunapuna. Riverland Road, a little easy except when you get into Point Lisa's area. That's a bit heavy. San Fernando, I got nothing to tell you about. All right? Nothing. Wow. That's a wonderful day for no traffic. It is. All right? Um, right. So while I get my guest online, he could ask a lot of questions. Boy. You'll get a book. All right, Richie Rich. Mogain says, top of the morning, gentlemen. Hell yes. To the poll, all right? So you got another yes there, Richie Rich. Okay. All right. That's the only one? Yeah, that's the only one who came to do any newscast. So You're going to get Khadija Amin online. All right. Our poll this morning was connected to the UNC counselor. Recording in progress. Who, who attended the meeting uh, with the Prime Minister of local government officials in contravention of his political leaders' instructions. Well, we he didn't. 20. The prime minister wasn't there, so that's inaccurate. Okay, well, was he was the prime minister the one who called the meeting? He called the meeting, but he he didn't attend. Okay. He's still recovering from COVID. No, he was. Um, I think this, the the information that was in the media was that he didn't attend because of the UNC boycott. Give the results. Oh, okay. Anyway, so we had twenty-two people voting on the poll this morning. Of that 22, 18 of you said yes. Um, you side with the UNC counselor, and four of you said no. You do not support what the counselor did. So 18 of you said yes. Four of you said no. You can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day and through all programming, and we'll give you the final result tomorrow morning, which will be Friday. The most beloved day of the week probably by so many people. 
So is is uh, MP on the line, Steve? I'm gonna. Yeah, she wants one minute. All right, let's call so her. I'm C. calling her by phone. She has the The member of parliament for St. Augustine. We're sitting which I think the councillors may... Is Warrenville? It is. Is it? Is it? Or am I mistaken? Uh, Kelly Village, Warrenville. Is that within St. Augustine constituency? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, the constituency expert is Wendell. Like they have, I don't know. Like I think all um, MPs okay. learn those, they learn those boundaries, boy. They say learn that. Well, but you can't be, you can't go up to be uh, a representative in local government or as a member of parliament. Learn know, the boundaries. Uh, I know Khadija may be the shadow minister for local government, so that's why her contribution is material. Hmm. She's the shadow minister, what? Local government. Oh, okay. No, she has a local government background. She was chairman of the Tunapuna Piaco Regional Corporation for a number of years. Yeah. So she has a lot of experience in local government. And she, she really understands it very well, having served for many years as a councillor and then the chairman of the corporation. So, 718. So the vast majority of our respondents indicated they supported councillor Sankar's attendance of the meeting. The sad thing about it is that he said he's getting death threats now. And of course, the, the social media vitriol against him and his family are all, is all over the internet. Why does it always have to descend into that? So you can't, you can't disagree in a civil matter. You have to disagree and denounce and, and disparage and denigrate and it, um, you know, it is just so uh, the, the political climate in this country Tragic to say the least Tragic to say the least So what was accomplished in that meeting If the Prime Minister did not attend? I got to say something But I behave in myself I don't know why you started now Somebody get on TV and news. Or Faris took over. Seven nineteen on the eleventh of August. If you're celebrating a birthday, is that what birthday you're suggesting to die? That that's well, I don't know what happened. was accomplished. I didn't. I ain't seen nothing striking come out of the meeting. Did you hear any revelation? Did you hear the local government election date? Did you hear no. anything that did, you didn't hear before? Did Wendell attend? Yes, he did. He didn't stay the whole meeting, he said, but he attended. So I don't know what new. I mean, I guess they went over some of the new um, parameters of the new law to be fully proclaimed, which will mean councils are full-time, etc. But all that in the news already. Right. All that, you know, all which, that Wendell, which, which I know Wendell is not in favor of. You know, but he's not in favor of people not being able to work yeah. or have another job while being a counselor. Yeah. Based on the possible package, but we don't know what the package is yet. They know what the package is. Package to be t- determined by, but the, the thing about it is that the reason for that is that they want. 
the practitioners to give their all to this job. The part-time can MPs work? work? Can members of parliament work? Even no. though they're members of parliament? The full full members of parliament, no. Not to my understanding. But not, not, not let me put it this way, cabinet members. But cabinet minister, well, cabinet members can't yeah. work well. Yeah. They would be full-time. Yeah, as, cabinet but, members. But, but, but when you say they, members of parliament, remember, I'm a member of parliament, but that doesn't mean that and I could work otherwise. But when you say yeah. cabinet is something else. Yeah. You know. Because because I'm sure I mean I have no clue. And then there are members of parliament who are in the lower house who I think are allowed also to, to apply their trade, their profession. But cabinet members I don't think can work otherwise. So why are they putting that that burden on local councillors? Simply I think they, they want to call it full-time in terms of the categorization of public officers. Because I'm just thinking, if I understand how parliament works, they're going to see a member of parliament as being superior in package to a local government council. <clears throat> Some members of parliament. Is the MP there, Steve? Yep, and she has promised to drop off some coconut bake for me for breakfast because she got up early this morning to make it. Khadija Amin, good morning. Steve, requesting coconut bake does not translate into a promise to deliver. Exactly. Are you saying that you cannot deliver? I understand exactly what he has put you in, Khadija. Because he's you always begging for food from somebody. Let me let me send you. Always begging. Wait, for food. wait, wait. No. Always begging somebody for food. Me telling you that I make coconut bake does not mean that I will be able to deliver it, and then you go and tell people I promise. Or that it look, was made look, for him. Look at that coconut bake. I sent it to you guys. Look at that. Or that it was made for him. <laughs> I Good need morning. to get a piece of that. Good morning, Madam Good morning. MP. Thank you yeah, for joining us in short notice. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Some I miss my, you. Some of my favorite people in. The media i miss you, you miss so much because you don't call me my number has not changed well gil i have to be careful we're calling these days you know there, my, my, there's pong me left and right and center these days <laughs> well you don't worry you can call me a thief <laughs> i want to I, I don't want to call you and put you in trouble <laughs> All right, all right. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, you know, all our phones are monitored in parentheses. Of course, of course. Yeah. Thank you for joining us this morning. How is your hide. son? We have nothing to hide. Don't be worried. I have nothing to hide, but I don't want, I don't want any inferences. You know, people are inventing and circulating social media these days. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> how is, how is your son? First of all, he is doing well. Um, Very every good. day, I am more proud of my dedication as a mother because he he's a real gentleman up to yesterday he cooked he cooked food my man made potato pie i'm so proud Papa. of him yeah yeah so you're getting him ready for the world that's wonderful all right so there's this new controversy about uh councillor sanka uh poll this morning was uh do you support the move by councillor sanka to attend the meeting in contravention of the boycott called by his political leader. And Richard, what was the result? 18 people said yes, 4 people said no. So, Ms. Amin, MP, why should he not have attended, in your opinion? Or why? Wh what is the rationale for the, the boycott one? And why do you think, but tell us, why do you think he should not have attended? If that's what you think. 
Well, Councillor Sanka, along with all the PNM councillors and all the men who attended, were abandoned by the Prime Minister. So it doesn't matter who attended in terms of whether the UNC councillors attended or not. The fact is the Prime Minister did not attend, and there was an invitation that said that the Prime Minister and the Minister of Local Government would be meeting with councillors. And, I mean, after six, seven years of, of, I mean, total neglect to local government, and there are either two reasons. Either the Prime Minister intended to... But let's put a pause. Even before the Prime Minister didn't attend, Mrs. Passat Bissessa called on the UNC councillors to boycott the meeting. So well, why uh-huh. why would that have been from, from your position? My position is if the meeting was important, the Prime Minister would have continued with the meeting. It is either he did not intend to attend the meeting, because I understand there were other functions where the people were told that he is still on quarantine. If he was on quarantine, did Faris Alwari lie to the councillors to say the Prime Minister would be there? And if he was, in fact, intended to attend... Then the councillors, whether UNC attend or do not attend, you are in charge. You are in government. If your interest in local government is genuine, then that meeting would have been a priority. And it clearly was not. Do you approve of the councillor attending or disapprove? Well, Councillor Sanka made his own choice. Um, The leader would have issued a statement following consultation with our councillors and Sanka was present. Our, our councillors were not in favour. I mean, they, they, that was the sentiment expressed. And Kamala Prasad Bissessa has always been a listening leader. She would advise, she would listen, she would take views into um, consideration. Councillor Sanka never expressed it in the meeting. He was given, the, all councillors were given the opportunity. They ne- he never expressed the view that he should attend or he, or he wants wishes to attend. He did not inform his colleagues of that. I think it would be interesting to get the views of Councillor Sanka's religiouses. If you really want to get, um, you know, the views, getting the views of the wider public who do not know Councillor Sanka is one thing, but maybe the views of his religiouses would be very, very valuable. He said he attended because he made a pledge to save the people, and that was part of saving the people. How do you respond to that? Do you think he, it, it is a valid response? Well, I think that would be the validity of that would be um, would be revealed if his attendance bears fruit. So, will your electoral district get additional support? That electoral district has been plagued by flooding: Kelly Village, Warrenville, Carony, St Helena, um, Madras Road, and so on. Plagued by poor drainage and and stuff. The only time we had any real development work there was when UNC was in government. And we had um, that um, Piaco, that road from the county roundabout that takes you to the airport, that has the St. Helena bypass. That, that entire strip was also developed during that time and several other developments. Um, so the measure in Councillor Sanka's, um, <laughs> the validity of Councillor Sanka's claim will come um, if what he um, if it bears fruit for his electoral district, and I highly doubt that that will happen. One of will you the, the shadow minister local government? Is that true? Is that correct? Accurate? Yes, I I shadow um, local government as my part of my portfolio.
based on what you see coming out of the media reporting on the meeting, do you think it was a productive meeting? The Prime Minister did not attend. Faris Alwari, <laughs> Faris Alwari in sharing what, um, what the meeting would have discussed, did a poor job because he spent so much time trying to blame Kamala for the failure of the Prime Minister to show up at the meeting. And even in the things that he mentioned, um, I am worried, I am concerned, um, because he mentioned that the legislation changes the term of a councillor from three years to four years. And I'm concerned that that may be an excuse to postpone the election. He also spoke about a timeline in terms of um, deliverables in the reform and a timeline to implement those things. Um, that, too, has been used in the past as an excuse for um, for postponing local government elections. I hope they do not, the, the government does not intend to postpone the elections. You know, give people the opportunity um, as is their democratic right to vote. And just because the government has the, um, the power to go to parliament, um, but a simple majority, and postpone the election does not mean that they should deprive the population of that opportunity to exercise their democratic rights. Khadija, is it that, I know one of the reforms um, would be that councillors would be full-time and they would not be allowed to have another job. Um, what's, your, what's your position or the UNC's position on that? The executive council, executive councillors would be full-time. And what this means, it is very similar to what you see in Parliament. All councillors are elected, just as all MPs are elected. But some are in the minority or in the majority, but some are in cabinet and some are not in cabinet. The executive council are similar to the cabinet members. They hold portfolios um, such as infrastructure, public health, finance, and so on. So they, they, what is now the chairman of a committee in a council is now an is now the, uh, part of an executive council or a cabinet. So those persons who do not hold such portfolio, they are not the chairman of a committee, um, which is usually the minority. They are considered, they are now considered, those in the cabinet or ex- executive council are now required to be full-time. And those who are not um, could continue to be part-time, just as it is for members of parliament. Now, those, if you are in cabinet, you, you cannot continue a practice. For instance, if you have a medical practice, you have a legal practice, you must give up those things. And there's the same thing that will happen. The pros, there are pros and cons, of course. Uh, being full-time means you dedicate more time to functioning at the council. It is a full-time job. Um, on the other hand, though, it means that people who are professionals, who, for instance, an attorney at law, an engineer, um, any other professional who wishes to serve their country will have to give up their practice for the duration of their term, which is four years. So there are pros and cons, but of course, once you know that in advance, you make that decision as an engineer, as a, as a medical doctor, as a, as a law attorney at law. Do I wish to give up my practice for four years to serve this council? Um, and that is, of course, your personal decision. So we may lose some people who are professionals who could bring 
good value to local government. But that doesn't prevent those people from serving as an elected councillor, but not on the executive. And they will still have the opportunity to advise the council and to make in, to give, have an input in decisions once, of course, the majority allows it. But it also depends on your, the, the offered remuneration package because it's a, there's a practical life uh, situation there in terms of people taking care of themselves and their families. Well, certainly. But also remember, for a professional, you're talking about a career that spans a lifetime. So if you are a medical doctor, do you give up all the surgeries that you can perform, all the patients that you see? Do you give up your practice? And then when you give up your practice, it means that you, you lose patients. You lose clients. If you're an attorney, you lose clients and so on. So it's not only about the money. It, it's also about your career and your practice and giving up that time. Well, well losing clients is also yes. losing money, yeah? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. But, but to, to, if you, it is not just a simple four-year term because as for four years, of course, you have... Yeah, the implications past the four years. But past yeah. that, certainly, you'll have to rebuild your career and rebuild yeah. your practice. So it is a professional and personal decision that people who want to serve will have to consider, um, you know, when the time comes. But certainly having, um, having full-time persons in local government is, is a plus. Um, having the remuneration improved is excellent because we have been asking for councillors, uh, probably the lowest paid people in the country, um, uh, if you look at the public service. But... Um, one of the things that I have a concern with is that the Minister of Finance determines how much a councillor is paid. And the concern, of course, is that no a political creature should decide the salary for another political creature. You know, that is something that is very concerning. It, it is a, a poor practice in terms of public administration and accountability and so on. And you must have checks and balances so that um, political... Um, politicians don't decide how much politicians get. But certainly um, there's a, there was a need for um, the salary to be increased. And I always feel that you should do things properly. Um, just as in the job market, in, any, in the employment world, you would do an assessment of what the job requires, what it entails, and look at similar um, jobs and you know throughout the country and see what the salary is and you pay according to that so to me i feel that i mean many companies do that to determine the salary for a position based on what the duties will be and what somebody who normally performs those duties was paid um and you can do that type of assessment there's a professional there are parameters and so on and I think if you work with something like that, you depend on something more scientific rather than the women fancy of a politician. You know, it's just my humble opinion. Going back to the issue of Councillor Sanka, in the newspapers this morning, he's said to be receiving threats and attacks on social media. Uh, your perspective on that in terms of the response uh, to his decision to attend the meeting and the threats to his life and the insults to his family? Well, I, um, I'm not aware of it. I haven't seen the newspaper, and I'm very shocked to hear that. Um, I am sure that Councillor Sanka knows that there are people in the party, um, particularly myself, whom if any, any councillor, any 
UNC counselor is facing any danger or threat that I, of course, am one of the first people who would um, provide support to those persons. So counselor Sanka could feel free to reach out. Um, I don't expect that anybody would threaten. I, I could understand that people could express their disapproval, but for there to be serious threat, that certainly will not come from the UNC. Um, I don't see anybody threatening Councillor Sanka or his family. He may feel intimidating by intimidated by people expressing the, uh, uh, non-support for his action. But I don't see that translating into threats against his life or against his family. That is not something I condone. And I, of course, Councillor Sanka is free to reach out to me. I saw him just the night before he attended the meeting, Gemma Boggs. And we, my lines are always open. But I certainly don't condone threats, but I question whether it is a threat or if it is that somebody expressing their differing view, um, you know, is something that we take in stride as politicians. Well, I saw a post last night that described his action as treasonous. And you know what treason is associated with, unfortunately? I know people feel betrayed. I, I understand that. But as I say, I remain, I remain open. I do not, I do not condemn, I do not condone any forms of threat to people's lives or people's family. Um, and when we serve in public office, we are open to scrutiny and criticism. And if Councillor Sanka took an, a bold action, of course there will be people who will be vehemently against what he did, and they may express that they are vehemently against what he did. Um, as I say, that, that, is, that is acceptable to express that you fail, felt betrayed and so on, but it's not acceptable to have threats against any person or their family, um, especially threats against their life. So Being someone I, who's walked, I, walked the entire gamut of local government, what do you feel are the major challenges from, from councillor all the way to chairman of the Tunapuna Piaka Corporation and now shadow minister Labour? What do you think are the challenges in local government, even with the new uh, arrangements coming into place? I think because I have served in local government, uh, both under the PNM and under the UNC, the difference I see is that under the UNC, all delivery within a region is done in collaboration with, with the corporation, planning and deciding what goes where. And the priority, um, local government, is part of governance. And uh, under the PNM, local government is separate from, from central government. So ministries come and they deliver a project, and you hear about it because the residents call you and tell you they're doing something. They, you don't have collaboration and local government being part of the decision-making. The... The resources that are, are given to local government, because of the wide range of services they provide as well, is, mu- is much different. Now, you may argue that, you know, th- there's a downturn in the economy. We have less revenue coming into the country, and so they get less money. This is not about money. This is about the professionals who are employed and engaged in each regional corporation, planning officers, engineers as is required by the Act, financial advisors, and so on. Um, and the, the, uh, giving the regional corporations the, the, the power to engage in local tourism development, for instance, local economic development, 
not only is not just about road and box train and picking up garbage. And what I have seen is because the PNM really undervalues the role local government play and could play. Um, you have that depletion in funding, but you also have them being left out of decision-making where development within the region is concerned. And as a councillor, having served as a chairman, I think, and in my region, Tunapuna Piako, we had nine constituencies. We had quite a large number. We went from Blanchishes, the north coast, to Monroe Road um, as our southern boundary. And um, I saw different types of communities, agricultural, rural, um, developing. And then you had the town center of Tunapuna and St. Joseph and Aruka and so on. And you saw how much the delivery from central government working with local government impacted the lives of people in a more meaningful way. Yeah. One of the um, the issues with local government, of course, is funding. We had heard information about a special fund with to, to be allocated to various corporations. Is there an update on that? Had that come to fruition? And if so, what was the effect? No, no. You see, the wording of these people is kind of throw you off. Eh? There is going to be a special fund for secondary roads. And there's going to be a special purpose company to do secondary roads. The money is, remains with the central government. And money has been allocated in the last budget, in the last midterm review, um, to this company that has not yet been formed. And I am waiting for the budget where you have part of but the budget is the review of the funding in the last financial year. And I'm really curious to see how this money is being utilized. And what it does is take the power away from the local government once again. If you form a special purpose company that is outside of the regional corporations, that is um, where the directors are appointed by um, the government and the central government, again, and they depend on funding from the, from the government, they do not fall under the local, the regional corporations. If they pave any secondary roads, of course, we are very happy to see some development. Um, but again, it takes power away from central, from local government. You know, there has always been an issue, Khadija, the issue of roads in cities, towns, villages across Trinidad and Tobago, the issue of that infrastructure of pavements and roads um, has always been problematic for the Burgesses um, that live in those areas. And it just seems as if there is some incapacity because when you ask, when we ask sometimes the Minister of Works when he when we interview him, um, he's very clear on what roads come under the ambit of the Ministry of Works and what roads come under the ambit of the local government bodies. But ultimately, it's the the citizens that suffer by having to navigate bad roads throughout Trinidad and Tobago um, every single day. I don't think there's anybody in any part of Trinidad and Tobago that traverses only wonderful roads every single day. I don't think that exists, unless you're just driving your car outside of your gate and parking yeah. back inside. Well, you, must, the, you must encounter I bad was, roads. I can tell you that um, Rohan Sonoran in a newspaper article I read, he said only 21% of the roads in the country 
fall under the Ministry of Works. The rest, the 79%, fall under local government. Two things I ask. Does local government get 79% of the funding allocated to roads in the national budget? It does not. The second thing is so many of the ministry's roads are badly dilapidated. You have landslips, you have um, serious, I don't even know if to call them potholes, craters. And the local government bodies have been using their scarce material and labor to attend to those roads. So the Naparima Mayaro Road, Todd's Road, and several of those other roads that fall under um, the Ministry of Works, the corporation take their material. Mind you, they are, they are hardly getting money to buy material, and the little they get, they attend to those roads because those are major roads. You had a car flip on a road somewhere down in Manahambury because of the poor condition of the roads. So I, I just want to say that the 21% of roads under Ministry of Works being abandoned and neglected is having an impact on the regional corporations who do not get the volume of funding that the ministry gets to deal with their highways and major roads. Well, I assume, well, I assume the Ministry of Works is going to get a bigger budget because they're big, they're dealing with all kinds of projects with flyovers and stuff like that. But you're, you're making a valid point. There has to be some sort of proportionate expenditure if you expect the road networks in all of the towns and villages to improve. And it, and it seems to be an age-old problem of that kind of resource allocation to local government bodies to get the job done. Because, I mean, I, I, have, ne- I have lived in Trinidad and Tobago all my life, and I have never, I can't remember a time when all of the roads were wonderful. I don't. Yeah. I, but I don't they were certainly you... better under the previous government. You will well, I mean, I... well, I understand you saying that. You, I mean, you will blow your own trumpet. But, the issues for the vast majority but, of citizens. But that was a fact. I don't understand how the PNM is just blatantly ignore facts. Well, More well, I am not the PNM. I like that phrase. Well, is that one uh, all your PNM? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm not a PNM. All your PNMs, <laughs> Let me correct you. Let me correct you and put you in your no, place. And neither leader. am I. Let's put it on no, the record. I am not a member of the People's National Movement. And I hold no, no um, brief for the People's National Movement, nor the UNC. Noted, I call but it the like thing I is, see you, it. Cannot, you cannot be afraid to credit the UNC when credit is due. The fact is more roads were in a better condition under the previous government. I will say that the UNC did develop certain roads because there are certain roads when I'm in certain areas that I'm like, oh, oh when did this road... I remember, where, I remember that whole road network going to that Ministry of Licensing office down in Carony there and, and that the development of that road there was... At the point, I, I hadn't gone there for years. And when I went there, I was pleasantly surprised on how built up it was. So I'm not saying no, and I'm, I'm sure the PNM will also tout that they did roads too. But the, the reality is our road infrastructure has always been lacking. And, and I don't know what is the solution. Do we have a solution, either party, in getting our road infrastructure to a, a, a level and... and condition that citizens would be amazed because if all the roads we we traverse every day were all properly paved Trinidadians and Tobagonians would be amazed is there well, any solution is, to this problem or is this something that we just have to live with what is required is two things not only money 
um, it is also expertise. The regional corporations, are, by, by law, is required to have an engineer. Um, having well-qualified engineers and planning officers at regional corporations is a part of the solution. I remember when I was chairman of the regional corporation, the ministry took, um, for the first time, took the decision to provide these professional persons, planning officers, financial advisors, engineers, uh, medical doctors, uh, in public health to each regional corporation because it was there in law, but it had never been implemented. So it was that was done, and that gave a tremendous lift to the quality of product and services that we were able to deliver at regional corporations. The collaboration with the ministries as well also allowed us to deliver a lot of projects. So if I, at a regional corporation, I'm given a certain allocation, I could engage uh, um, one of those special purpose companies to work with my engineer to do a special a project that requires special expertise. So you can do that as well. And there, there would also be national projects that would require support from the local, um, the local government body. But certainly when you have, um, as I say, if you have national projects, if you plan to pave a road and WASA plans to replace the main there, you, that, and you don't collaborate, that is why WASA does come and dig up the road as soon as you pave it. But you must have that collaboration between the national agencies and local government. So it is not just about how much money you put. You, you, the, the needs that come from local government, from because local government is so much closer to the people, gives you a different eye. And having that collaboration, but to do that, the, the party in government must believe that local government is important. And that is how priority goes there. And I think maybe because Kamala Prasad Dichasas once served as an alderman, she had that eye and in terms of how important councillors are. Um, and maybe Patrick Manning had it a bit too because he, or from what I understand, his mother was a local government councillor. So maybe he had that, that um, perspective that allowed him to operate a little differently with councillors. But then he postponed the election for four years, the local government election, you know. Um, How is um, St. Augustine doing? You're MP for St. Augustine. I know that I have friends in Valsine who experience flooding if reinforced for half an hour. And also, because of your um, association in the past with um, the, the Tunapuna Piaco Corporation and the number of people who live in that, 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 that corporation serves, what are the major challenges? Is it still the funding thing, the infrastructure thing, uh, the intervention when there's flooding? Oh, certainly. Um, uh, if I, I can tell you, uh, in St. Augustine constituency, um, I see neighboring constituencies who have PNM representatives get more projects than St. Augustine gets. I still continue to make a strong representation on behalf of Burgesses. I can tell you just recently there's a major um, project done in the Tunapuna constituency, and all the water is thrown into St. Augustine constituency. The drain just ends abruptly. And you have the entire street turned into a river in Back Street in Tunapuna um, there. And whereas the project has three phases, and in terms of engineering, the best practice is always to start from the outfall and come up. And, wha and, and that didn't happen because the outfall is in St. Augustine constituency, and the project was to provide a solution for Tunapuna constituency. 
So making decisions along political lines like that is impractical and is it, it, just pure wickedness to the, the citizens. Um, but and, and, and where you have the regional corporation required to give services, they can give so little because I do examine their finances, uh, which is made public through the parliament and budget, and you see where they do not even get the money they need to keep all the workers, all the employees in the corporation. So in order for them not to have three, 400 people lose their jobs, they have to take the money they would have done, bought material with or other things with to ensure that those workers do not lose their jobs. And very often, they literally have no money for material. And when they do get material, they have 16 councillors in that corporation from all the way from Blanchishire's North Coast to Monroe Road in Canopia. And I am one out of nine constituencies in St. Augustine for the Tunapuna region. So their ability to do the work is, is I mean, it's, it is... I see. I, I I feel frustrated, and because as a as a member of parliament, I am on the ground and with my with my constituents every day. Um, in terms of the social ills, where you have people who genuinely need it, and they have to go to social welfare, they have to stand up in front of a tent, they have to go from four a.m. to take a number, and they are in this hot tent. It's inhumane. Many people get turned down, and you know they genuinely need it. You know, and I, and the system for approving and assessing people is something that really has a lot of question marks. So it's not only the physical infrastructure, but the social infrastructure, the opportunity to grow and develop. But I have, I have been, um, <laughs> that is one of the things that I find um, recently is that um, I do feel frustrated, but I also have been driven to work with NGOs to deliver and, and impact on people's lives. So, for instance, on um, next week, I will be giving 200 book packages, book bags and uniforms to children because of NGO input. Um, recently, I launched a project where we are planting 1,000 trees, and many of those trees are food-bearing trees, breadfruit and, and tomatoes and so on. And I'm engaging my constituents where we have situations with flooding um, what the what we do not get done through the drainage division or the regional corporation, we have been able to get NGOs to support volunteer work. Well, I'm glad you're In our final few moments, let me ask a question here. Uh, the NC is obviously offering itself up as an alternative for governance uh, to the PNM. In whenever twenty is it twenty four? That's the next election, national. The general election is due in 2025. 2025, right. Do you think the opposition is spending enough time offering a different or different solutions as opposed to uh, chastising the government on its inefficiencies and underperformance in many ways? Because I, I, I'm quoting from one of the newspapers yesterday, which three political analysts, or a couple of days ago anyway, said the, the government is underperforming in many areas. And the, as the opposition, you have a right to highlight that. But do you think there is enough focus from the opposition on presenting alternative solutions so that the population has a choice in terms of that, that kind of balance of information? Um, I, I think what happens is that um, the 
the media attention goes to controversy. So the front page is one councillor who attended a meeting that the Prime Minister didn't show up for. The front page, will the front page ever be UNC has a, an economic transformation plan? You know, because we sell controversy. And that is, that is how, uh, what happens. But through the social media, the UNC has been able to carry um, all of their content in terms of what we see on the platform, and it's available for citizens. So there is an economic transformation plan where you can see the, the, in various regions you have different um, growth in terms of different drivers, different economic drivers. You, you do have a plan for the recovery of the economy and providing jobs and diversification of the economy. So those, those things are available, and we do talk about it. In fact, I can tell you one of the things that in every, in every speech that we have at the Monday night, it is part of it may criticize the government and highlight an issue, but part of it also speaks the solution. So if you listen carefully, you will hear it. But I, uh, if you are in the media and you are not aware of it, perhaps we need to do a better job. In terms I'm not of saying I'm not aware of it, but I'm it saying the, the, the balance of, of information is, is what is critical. And I understand what you're saying is right. The media will cover the controversial past because that's what sells. Or we've been socialized yes. to accept that's what sells. But uh, unless somebody listens to the whole Monday Night Forum, which is unlikely in most people's scenarios, you're not going to get that balance of information that you say you're sharing. You know, so I guess there needs to be some. Yeah, sort of we do have our website. So, for instance, we, we will have you will have videos with the economic transformation plan. You will have um, you will have short videos and short clips, not of people speaking, but uh, um, you know, you do this in sort of info uh, informational kind of um, videos and so on. So, we do have a website and a Facebook page um, where these things are available. We also have little clips on historic things on prime ministers and independents and important events in the past and so on, if people wish they could peruse it. But um, certainly, um, I think perhaps as we go into local government, for instance, if the, regional, if the media focuses more on what are your plans, what are your reasonable expectations, perhaps we could uncover more in terms of, of um, you know, making, allowing the population to make decisions more on what is being offered um, as opposed to the Bacchanal and, and that kind of thing. Khadija, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate your time and your contribution. Thank you so much. It was good hearing from you guys. Yep, yeah, great, yeah. great to hear from you also. Thank you. Have a great day. Be safe. Coconut bake will arrive soon. Thank you. Lord. Recording stopped. <laughs> So good at big look. Anyway, um, all right. Before we get into our eight o'clock newscast, uh, being asked what is the traffic like heading into Port of Spain. So let me check that out. It's not too bad. All right, going to Santa Rosa, uh, Trin City towards Uwe, um Mount Hope, from the roundabout towards the Eastern Main Road, and that Eastern Main Road a bit chock a block. Arango's Road is busy. And you're going to get traffic again uh, after you pass uh, Barataria exit. You're going to get some traffic. All right, going through Paxville and coming out of Maraval, little volume. That's about it. Let me just uh, see what the folks in south are doing as they're heading north. No problems, I tell you, in the southland. The solo is pretty clear after you pass Freeport. Step on your brake towards Chaguanas and heading towards the interchange 
Yeah, it's not too bad. All right, let's get into our news brief. Thank you for choosing Power One Two Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at six a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power One Two Digital.